For this reason I, Paul the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that, through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am the least of all of God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which, we, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. This is the word of God. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. If you are new or visiting here, we're so glad that you're here to join us this morning to worship with us. And we are currently going through our sermon series on the book of Ephesians. We talk about the meaning of the church and our goal and our prayer is to help us understand that when we are unified with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and we are in Him, it really allows us to move in a new and radical way in light of community. That in light of community, we understand the importance of it and how we are in need of it. So as we dive into Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to ask that you would join me in prayer this morning. Lord God, we want to lift up our time to you this morning. Lord, we ask, Lord God, as we hear your word, uh, Lord, we come to you in need of it. Lord God, that we are, Lord, just living with deaf ears and blinded eyes, Lord, and hardened hearts. So, Lord God, we pray, Lord God, and as this room is just filled with the Holy Spirit, Lord God, and as you fill it right now, you fill our bodies with the Holy Spirit so that we can see and hear your revelatory word clearly. And God, I ask at this time, Lord God, that you will be glorified in all that is to be done. Father, as we hear your word, I ask that you will use me, Lord God. You know my heart. You know my fear and my anxieties and my weaknesses. So, Lord God, I find and I ask for strength in you. I desire to be an instrument within the Redeemer's hands. So, Lord God, use me accordingly to your strength. We give you all of the glory. In your son's name we pray. Amen. In 1937, a famous German pastor and theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, argues that Christianity has lost its richness in society because of what he calls cheap grace. Hear Bonhoeffer when he says this, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, 
Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession, cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Bonhoeffer's point is this, that Christians today have devalued the significance and worth of grace. See, there has become a tragedy when it comes to what grace has actually become. Grace that was once so attractive because of how Jesus demonstrated it for us on the cross has slowly become unattractive to a society because the believer today does not demonstrate grace for others that surrounds us. If I can say it this way, the incomparable value of grace has been cheapened because lives aren't coming at a cost. And in our passage this morning, the Apostle Paul, he reminds us of what grace truly is. As he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, that it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not for yourselves. It is the very gift of God. So I have three points for us this morning as we start Ephesians chapter 3 and how it shapes you and I today. The meaning of grace the power of grace, and finally, the community of grace. The meaning, the power, and the community. First point, the meaning of grace. Read verse 1 with me. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. I'll stop right there. As we begin chapter 3, Paul is reminding us once again that this letter is specifically to the Gentiles. Gentiles, they were non-Jews. They were a people that were socially unaccepted simply because Jews believed that Gentiles were pagans who didn't know the true and living God. But what we see previously at the end of chapter 2, specifically verse 19, uh, Paul tells us that Gentiles are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So now in chapter 3, Paul, he begins to unfold his reasoning on why the Gentiles are now accepted into the household of God. Read verse 2 through 4 with me. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. And this leads us to our first main point, and it is the meaning of grace. That God's grace is freely given, and it is not earned. Now, what Paul tells us is that grace was freely given, and it was reflected in a mystery to be revealed. And that this mystery is only revealed because of a grace that was given. See, all throughout Scripture, what we see is that sin always blinds us from the majesty of God. So only God and only through him can we see. So he would have to send a revelation to our spiritual blindness. Now, if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, the letter of this book, he is someone that knows all about spiritual blindness. 
See, when you know about the Apostle Paul, is that he was not always the greatest Christian. That in fact, that he was a persecutor of Christians. So while traveling onto Damascus Road, trying to persecute Christians for their faith, on Damascus Road, Saul, he would encounter the risen Jesus. And as he sees the risen Jesus, it tells us that he was blinded by a dazzling light. Well, what happens in Acts chapter 9, verse 18, it tells us that something like scales fell from his eyes. See, this physical event was a symbol in Saul's spiritual blindness and had been overcome because of Christ and in faith alone. And now here, the Apostle Paul, he's declaring to the Gentiles, just as God's grace alone that allowed him to see with new eyes. The only way Gentiles can see the mystery of Jesus Christ is unless God himself unveils this revelation, that a mystery had to be revealed. Verse 6 sheds more light about this mystery. Verse 6 says, The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. See, with the Apostle Paul, he's telling us the reason why a mystery is revealed, and it is because simply of the person and work of Jesus Christ that you and I, every single person in this room, including me, are blind sinners. We are lost in our sin. But because of Christ who died on our behalf, we now have access into the very presence of God. And just as it is a mystery that is revealed and how it gives the Gentiles new life, in the same way, grace also gives us new eyes because of a new life in him. If I can explain, there's a recent trend, um, and the recent trend are, you know, parents, they have gatherings for their gender revealing of their child. And it's always through this real creative channel and it's being recorded. It's what you see in this unveiling. We see, you know, a lot of balloons, we see games, we see even frosting within a cupcake just to see if, if there is going to be a boy or a little girl to come. And I, I love watching these videos. I'm very low-key about it, but I want to be honest. I do watch a lot of those videos because it, it brings me great joy. I'm watching these videos, and what I see is just this authenticity, this level of joy, excitement, Love between two people expecting a third. What we see in this video is that they are visually witnessing a good news unfolding for them. They are witnessing a mystery to be revealed. And in that revelation, without doing anything, they simply receive the joy of good news See, in the same way, when Paul, in verse 6, he tells us about a good news, a mystery that is to be revealed. It tells us of a new life that is to come because of Jesus Christ alone, that the revelation of God's plan in Christ, it was freely given because of grace. Only 
our eyes can see Jesus, the beauty of the gospel, because God simply placed light into our darkness. And I just want to let you know this morning, if you are experiencing any level of darkness because of sin and suffering, know that there is a great light, there is a great hope, there is a good news to be unveiled to you. And in that, may you find the joy in him. And it is by grace and grace alone. This, that is the meaning of grace. And it leads us to our second point, the power of grace. Now, in verses 2 through 6, Paul, he's speaking primarily of a grace that's given to him. But now, starting in verse 7, it kind of transitions over where Paul is now speaking of a grace that is spoken through him. Read verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Now here, Paul is stating that he is a servant because of his power given by God's grace. Now I think this is interesting because when we think about power today, what do we think of? It's often a relation to CEOs, presidents, and executives, new kickstarts owned by young entrepreneurs. But in light of the power at work for the Apostle Paul, he says that he's not an owner, he's not a spiritual executive, but he calls himself simply a servant. See, the gospel is a powerful message of servitude through sacrifice. And if this is the message that you declare that you live by, my question for us today is, is how does your life reflect the grace of God given to you? If I can say it this way, if the grace of God is a transformative power that shapes your life, then how has this transformative power shaped the lives that surround you? See, the problem there's a problem in this, and the problem is that rather than letting grace empower you to a life of serving Jesus and the church, we focus on our works, which leads us to a life of loving yourself and using others. And I would argue that the reason why Christianity is so unattractive to a pluralistic society is because we often preach the power of grace, but we reflect a very powerless life that is constantly run down by earthly passions and pursuits. And in light of this, what do we do? We respond in a very ungracious way that when we see the people that surround us, we become a little bit more spiteful and entitled within our relationships. We think we deserve something from our families, our friends, and our coworkers because we think we earned it. Listen, if grace empowers our lives truly, then I believe we would be more loving for grace reminds us that we weren't even meant to be loved. If grace empowers our lives, I believe that we would be more forgiving. For grace reminds us that we were undeserving of forgiveness. If grace is the empowerment of our lives, I believe we would be more confrontational about sin. For grace reminds us that Jesus confronted sin for the sake of your salvation. Consider the Apostle Paul as a servant of Christ, 
one that is floored and wrecked by the grace of God, he tells us how we are called to live. Verse 8, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. See, when one truly experiences grace, it will empower you to live a more grace-filled life. Just as the Apostle Paul, he can now minister to Gentiles, someone that is a Jew, someone that had status, someone that already had acceptance. He now goes to Gentiles, and he now has the power to be more grace-filled, and he does it within the context of the people that are surrounding and the question for the Apostle Paul, just a question for us right now, where is the power source of your grace? Well, simply, it's the one that first showed us grace, even to the point of death. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8 says that being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The power of grace comes from knowing that the most powerful became powerless for you. And if I can just say this on a side note, pretending to live out grace without actually believing in grace is very counterintuitive to grace. It's simply just false humility. And I'm telling you, that is a dangerous way to live. Pretending to live without grace and not being transformed by it, it will actually be very self-destructive, self-absorbed, because you're showcasing grace for the hope of something in your self-desires. But when you are transformed by the grace of God, when you believe that is the power, only then do you give up your status, your privilege, your entitlement for the sake of others, and it will be found in true joy. And my hope and my prayer as a church that we would be empowered by grace, that we would be floored, that we would be wrecked by the grace of God in Christ Jesus for the sake of his glory. So where do we find this grace? We find it in the community of grace. That leads us to our third point. Read verses 10 and 11 with me. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his et eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now here, Paul, he's referring to this eternal purpose found in Christ. And when we see that, we, I don't know if we kind of really see what that actually means in the verse, but if you go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, it tells us a little bit more about this purpose. I'm going to read this for you guys. In Ephesians 1, verses 9 through 10, he says that he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ 
to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. What does this tell us? That the purpose of grace is to unite all things in Christ and that it would be manifested And how will it be manifested? Verse 10, it says that the manifestation of God's grace is through his church. That God wants to use the people that were against him, and now God desires to use them as a means of grace for the sake of unity. That people, by very nature, doesn't want anything to do with unity, but in Christ alone, he calls and empowers us to pursue unity. See, if you look at the book of Ephesians, there there are two main themes that you always want to highlight. When you look at the book of Ephesians, number one, the main theme is that, you know, Jesus Christ, he reconciled uh, all creation to himself and to God. But secondly, the meaning of the church that Christ has united people from all nations to himself and to one another in the context of community. So what the Apostle Paul is saying right now, that there is a call as a community to demonstrate grace in light of a broken world. So what does that look like practically? Well, verse 12, it tells us, In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Now, uh, when you look at this idea of approaching God with freedom and confidence, uh, in the Greek, uh, a more literal translation is that there's boldness and access with confidence. And essentially what the Apostle Paul is, is saying is that, you know, for us as a community of grace, how do we showcase this grace? Is by understanding that grace is the reminder that as a church, that we are in need of grace, and it's because of grace he now gives us access. And in the same way as a community that celebrates access, are you and I as a church allowing others to know of this access? That as a church, are you proclaiming the gospel in both word and deed, despite race, class, gender, and social status. Consider Apostle Paul. He was a highly recognized Jew speaking to lowly Gentiles. Someone that was of status, privilege, entitlement for the... But in light of that, he would submit all of those rights for the sake of the Gentiles that they would know Jesus. If truly a community that preaches grace, are you reflecting grace within the context of community? If truly a community that believes you are saved by grace, are you finding yourself in a position of humility to showcase how Christ has shaped your life today? See, I want us to consider this as we begin to close this out just a little bit. That as the church not just Metro, as the church universal, as it continues to advance within the mission of grace, that means 
there will be more and more non-believers and de-churched people that will come into not only these doors, but the doors of many buildings every single week. And unfortunately, because of a bad experience, maybe a misconception about the church and maybe Jesus himself, every inch of the building will remind them of why they feel like they shouldn't be here. But my challenge for us, if you are listening in this room or if you are listening to on the podcast, I just want to consider this one thing, that as God's household, You and I have an opportunity to showcase the richness of Christ in costly living. And yes, it may cost you personally. It may cost you some of your desires. It may cost you some of your abilities. It may cost you some time. It may cost you even a little little bit of your paycheck. But be reminded that in Christ that we have an opportunity, and if verse 8 is true, that you understand that you have the boundless riches of Christ, that he is your treasure, that it is more than enough, and in something that is so overflowing, we have nothing but to offer grace. The purpose of grace is to unite things under Christ, and he uses the church to showcase it. I'm going to close with verse 13, and I will be out your way. Verse 13 says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Now, looking at verse 13, we see Paul. He's actually recalling back to the very first verse in chapter 3, which says, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. So Paul is clear right now. Paul is stating that I I know I'm in prison because of my mission trip to preach the gospel to you guys. But don't be broken about it. Don't feel bad about it because my suffering actually led to your glory. So, brothers, I am actually greatly encouraged because of the gospel at work. The apostle Paul, he is stating that if my physical captivity led you to a Christ-centered freedom, then all glory to the God who was able. The point is this. In Christ alone, your suffering will lead to glory. That if Christ's suffering led to glory and Paul's suffering led to glory, for the, and specifically the glory for the Gentiles, will your suffering not lead to glory But right now in the moment, know that in the sandwich of suffering to glory, there is grace. Church, has God's grace not been sufficient in your physical affliction? Has God's grace not been enough in your broken relationships? Has God's grace not been very present in your loneliness? Has God's grace not been assuring in self-doubt? Has God's grace not been enough in light of salvation? And in this room, if you are here, if you are listening, whatever season you may be in, just be reminded that his grace is sufficient 
it is more than enough. There is grace for today and light of hope for tomorrow. Will you join me in prayer?